We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to College Football Live. Presented by Zillow. So y'all walk me out today? First of all, uh, to quote uh, my old boss, we got to be careful of the rat poison of, of uh, people telling us how good we are, um, which, which is important. You know, a week ago, everyone told us how bad we were. Now this week, everyone wants to tell us how good we are. There's my $10. <laughs> so let's get that out of the way right away. I pay my debts. A man of his word, but no fines here. We're on time and ready to go. Joey Galloway, Greg McElroy, I'm Wendy Nix for this Tuesday edition of College Football Live. But there's one more message from a head coach, that is. And you don't often use subtlety and Lane Kiffin in the same sentence. And here's a look at a walking billboard here, fellas, for the transfer portal. If you can't see, he says transfer to the SIP. You know? I mean, that's one way, Greg, to get the message out. Just wear it. Put it, put it out there. I mean, if we're all living our life in a public platform, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever the heck Joey uses, uh, I don't necessarily care. Put your stuff out there. Let's see what happens, Joey. Fair enough. Yeah, just let it, let it put it all out there, Joey. It seems to be, yeah, it just, just seems to be the world we live in now. None of this stuff surprises me. Uh, head coaches go to great lengths to get their message out, and I guess that's the best way for Lane Kiffin. Well, we're talking about it. Maybe that was the point. We're also talking about Notre Dame, but sadly not for the reasons the Irish would prefer. Take a look at the weekend that was. Notre Dame dropped its third straight after they lost to Marshall at home. They had won 42 consecutive games against unranked teams entering that one. But that, of course, comes to an end. And head coach Marcus Freeman still in search of his first win three games into his head coaching tenure. Take a look now at this week's college football rankings brought to you by Allstate. The Irish tumble out after ranked eighth last week. Georgia assumes that top spot. This was after Alabama struggled at Texas, although the tie did win. The third time under Nick Saban that his team fell from the top spot without losing the previous week. That, of course, is the standard that's been set in Tuscaloosa. But let's start with Greg and Notre Dame. Where do the Irish go from here, Greg? Well, it's back to the drawing board, but let's first start by acknowledging just how good and how hard Marshall played throughout this game. I feel like much has been lost on the fact that we're all talking about Notre Dame without giving credit first to the Marshall Thundering Herd. Incredible job by Coach Huff and his team. But let's talk about the Irish now as we fast forward. They got to go back to doing what they've done well in the past. What I think is most concerning is how they were gashed on the ground defensively by a Marshall offense that was not exactly using a bunch of smoke and mirrors, man. I mean, they were just running right at this Notre Dame defense. I mean, straight downhill. Laybourne's an excellent back transfer from Florida State, but they didn't do anything that was that significant as far as a scheme concept is concerned. 
They just went right downhill, and Notre Dame was incapable of being able to slow that down. That's where Notre Dame has always hung their head. They're great along the line of scrimmage, both defensively and offensively. And Joey, that was the farthest thing from that case on Saturday against a Marshall team that took it to them north and south all day long. Yeah, I think we look at the start for Marcus Freeman. It, it begins in the Fiesta Bowl where he takes over a team in the middle of December. Now it's his team to go play against a top 10 team in Oklahoma State. They lose by two points. The season begins on the road at number three in the country, Ohio State. A very emotional game that was much closer than anybody in the country figured it would be. Uh, and so they lose an emotional game. They come home, they lose to a Marshall team that was more physical. They created turnovers. The sky's not falling. They go back in the, in the meeting rooms. They study their film of the Cal team that they have this week and get back to doing what they do. This is Notre Dame. Uh, they have plenty of players there. They'll be more physical. They'll take care of the run. They'll do these things. There is a concern on the, on the outside, though. Their ability to make plays on the, out, on the outside is a concern. But I don't think the sky is falling. If you look at the start uh, of where this team is, the Marshall loss, very bad. I agree with you, Greg. Give Marshall a lot of credit for what they did at Notre Dame. But at the same time, if you're Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame, you get back in the meeting room and get ready for this week's game. Yeah, they come quick. Notre Dame's 31 points in two games, the fewest since 2007. Bryce Young on the road, trailing by two with a minute 29 to go. That's where we love to be at. You know, in those crunch time moments, that's what we're made for. Oh, I came with trying to be the greatest, not the only, but the latest. Young, under pressure. If they count no me, then I hate to keep them waiting. Let's go. Just a tremendous game. But, Joey, I do want to be clear. You know, there, there are no moral victories in college football. Texas did not win this game. However, I do think it was a little bit of a measuring stick, despite the fact that Sark didn't want to call it that. And this team played hard, and there was a lot I think Texas can take. No? Yeah, I think you measure yourself against yourself. It doesn't matter who the opponent is on the other sideline. You measure by what you put out on the field. Uh, do you execute what you practice during the week and what you know your team can do? If I'm Texas, I walk away from that game feeling like we were much more physical than we've been in the past. I don't know if there's ever been a Texas game, uh, at, at least in the last few years, that I've walked away from thinking that they were the more physical team. They hustled. They flew around. They outplayed Alabama for the most part. And I've also never seen an Alabama team make that many mistakes, have that many penalties, but give Texas all the credit. And if they can continue that, because, you know, when you have a game, especially one that you lose, and you talk about there are no moral victories, well, what you take from that is if we take the way we played in that game against Alabama and continue our season from that place, then Texas will have one heck of a season. But I was very surprised to see them outplay Alabama the way they did. I think the biggest thing, Joey, is you look back where they were a year ago, and all this was was vindication and justification that they're doing things the right way and they're making progress. Go back to week two last year. They're playing against Arkansas. They got absolutely destroyed in that game. The final score might not have been as indicative of just how one-sided it felt. And then you fast forward to this year, week two against 
a very, very good Alabama football team with great personnel. They were up to the task, man. They didn't get pushed around. They didn't get out athlete out on the perimeter. They didn't get beat up at the line of scrimmage. They were up to the task. So I think if anything, this, I agree with you. There's no moral victories. You're Texas, all right? There should never be moral victories. You should always be in position to beat anyone you play. But ultimately, that hasn't been the case for the last decade. So I think the progress that was shown from year one to year two is obvious. Now, will you have the maturity to take it forward? Because I can tell you this much, they're better than UTSA. They're better than UTSA, but they better be careful this week because UTSA, with the veteran quarterback and Frank Harris, they're going to come to play this weekend. If Texas is reading their press clip he's talking about last week, they're in for a rude awakening. Well, and we know how those trap games can work. I, I will say this. Perhaps this is good news for the Longhorns. According to our FPI, they have the easiest remaining schedule in the Big 12. But like it or not, you still got to win those games every Saturday. Still to come on College Football when are, Live, when are we going to learn? If you are looking for a cakewalk and an easy out, I would not schedule Appalachian State. Head coach Sean Clark joins us next to talk about the upset. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. can't look at the scoreboard down four doesn't matter what you need to do is execute ball plays intercepted big six Gilmore 26 to 21 Marshall wins it at Notre Dame it's a trifecta of touchdowns for Harrison and he's gonna pick six in the swamp off the spin the former Washington State with an upset win. And Appalachian State has done it again. We came into College Station and beat the number six team in the country. We'll have one hell of a time that play right back to Boone tonight. Bryce Young down to. Comes from behind late to win it. That's a bad man right there. Now for this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW. Who else would it be other than Appalachian State knocking off number six Texas A&M? And with a win like that, you can be sure people take notice. For the first time in the history of App State football, 
College Game Days from the Boomerang next Saturday. It sure is. What a scene it will be in Boone, North Carolina over the weekend. Coach Clark joining us now. Coach, first of all, congratulations. But I do have to ask you, you finish up on the road, pull off the ultimate upset, get a flat tire on your plane. You got to fly halfway across the country and you get back Sunday morning. What was it like when you finally rolled back into Boone? It, well, again, it was, a, it was a rough night for sure. And we spent about three hours on the tarmac before they told us the the tire was too flat. They couldn't repair it. So they flew a new plane in from Minneapolis to pick us up. We left uh, College Station around 5 o'clock Sunday morning and then got back to Charlotte. And then we got back to Boone about 1030. So it could have been a lot worse. We had a couple thousand people here waiting, uh, trying to, to welcome us back and to congratulate us. So we'll take all of that for that win. It was a great exposure for our university, a great exposure for our athletic department, especially for football. Well, it's certainly, as you said, a good problem to have. Let me ask you about your quarterback. Of course, he's transferred, spent some time at Clemson, spent some time at Duke, and now at App State. What does he mean to this current program? He means everything to us. and We go as he goes, and I'm very proud of Chase. Not only has he become a great leader in, on, the, in the, on the locker room, but, you know, he's, he's 25 years old. And most of all of his friends have left all the he had kind of reinvent himself in some ways. What I mean is he was taking some guys that he had before, all the receivers, the tight ends. Those are new guys. And so he had to make a concerted effort to go out and get to those guys on a personal level. And he's done that. And he's a great leader. He's here all the time. He's like a coach here on the field. And uh, we're, we're proud he's here. And he, he's a winner. He's a proven, a proven leader. And we couldn't go without him. Coach, I'm old enough to have covered the upset of Michigan when Appalachian State pulled off that one. But these players, as you mentioned earlier, they were babies. But I am sure they have heard about it time and time again. How important was it for them to get something like this of their own? It was, it was very important. Again, we're trying to talk about leaving your legacy on this program. And, and those kids, our, our players now are three and four years old with the Michigan game. And you know, we have beaten North Carolina. We have beaten South Carolina in 2019. But – now, that group does not have their signature win. There's been two top ten victories here at App State, the Michigan game like you talked about, and now the Texas A&M game in 2022. So uh, they left their legacy as far as marquee wins, signature wins, but that was never our goal to beat North Carolina or South Carolina. Our goal is to win the Sun Belt Championship, and all of our goals are right in front of us right now. A Sun Belt Conference, by the way, that is front and center after a solid weekend. Coach, anybody who doesn't know Boone is in for a treat. Such a beautiful place to be, especially in September. We hope you have a fantastic weekend with College Game Day. But we're, we're very excited. We're going to embrace College Game Day. It's a great place to visit. It's a great place to live. So we're very proud of our university, very proud of our athletic department, and also our football team. So we look forward to, to welcoming uh, College Game Day to Boone. We're coming from you live from Boone, North Carolina. College game day kickoff at 9 a.m., leading all the way up until the noon kickoff of the game. As for the Aggies, Jimbo Fisher says everything is up for debate, even play calling. We'll evaluate everything this week. We'll evaluate every position this week and all the things and different guys. A head coach has a lot of duties during the course of the mm -hmm. game. It seems like you have your hands full. Would you ever consider turning the play calling over to someone to where – Perhaps the offense could be more efficient. In time, I would. Yeah, possibly now. could. I mean, there's, you always evaluate those things. Whatever it takes to win. No, my ego would not. Winning takes all effect over everything. 
All right, Greg, if you are Texas A&M and you're part of that overall evaluation process, uh, what do you think? What do you do from here? Well, I, I don't think these are things that can be just totally fixed overnight. I think the biggest problem is right now they don't really lack uh, they don't really have a real edge offensively. I think Haynes King has been disappointing. Uh, I don't think it's all on him. I think the receivers have been substandard as well. And I think the offensive line has been uh, disappointing as well, given just how talented some of those guys were coming out on the recruiting trail. But ultimately, a quarterback, man, you have to take care of the football. And Haynes King, so far in three full games, has five interceptions and two fumbles. And those are all against group of five competition. What's it going to happen when you start going against power five competition? Now, he can't do it by himself. Devon A. Chain's supposed to be a superstar. Yeah, he's a great athlete, great runner, but he's not physical. And that's really not a great mix for what they want to be offensively. So I think that they have a lot of issues. I think they have identity issues on offense. And I think they need to identify some leadership as well, because last week is as much about personnel as it was about leadership. And uh, partly about App State being a really good football team. And I don't know why people keep messing with App State. Uh, they, all, they almost knocked off North Carolina the week before. But when you look at the Texas A&M game, uh, App State had the ball 20 more minutes. Uh, App State created two turnovers, Texas A&M none. App State ran the ball for 100 more yards than Texas A&M. You always lose those games. When those numbers pop up, those are the games you lose. Now, maybe Texas A&M is looking ahead to, to Miami. I don't know why they would. They have Miami this week and Arkansas after that. So what we find out about Texas A&M happens in the next couple weeks because everything that they had on their goal list uh, to begin this season is still ahead of them. If they right their wrongs, then they'll be fine. If you look at Texas A&M in the past few years, when they don't run the ball well, they struggle to win football games. And I think they didn't even have 100 yards rushing in this game, and Greg mentioned the offensive line. That's typical of Texas A&M. That's typical of most teams. If you get out physical by the other team, then you usually lose. It's always funny to me, Greg, though, when they ask a coach after a loss, are you examining anything? They could have literally asked him anything, and he had to say, yeah, you're right. They're like, are you going to turn over to play calling? Well, maybe I am. After a loss, the coach is just at the, at the mercy of you media guys. It's crazy. I mean, honestly, though, what are they going to do? They're going to start, like, all of a sudden now someone calling the same plays that you've always run, now someone calling it is going to just change their fortunes? Like, that to me is the biggest cop-out ever. Like, the plays yeah. are the plays. No matter who calls them, it's about execution. Like, I mean, ultimately, if you don't execute, it's not going to matter. So they need to get – they need to definitely do some soul-searching. I'd open up every single position offensively. I'd open up every single one this week for competition. I know it's Miami this week, but I don't care. Like, we got to focus on us more so than the opposition because right now they have a lot of internal issues, it feels like, with the way they're performing on the field. They do, and Miami's certainly not an easy out. Neither is Arkansas, so this doesn't get any easier. And to your point, look, we're always looking for that quick fix. Turn over the play calling, it'll change everything. We know that's not how it's going to work, especially not with Texas A&M right now. Our college football senior writer Pete Thamel checks in next. He'll talk about what's next for Nebraska in terms of the head coach. Also, some impactful injury updates on deck. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Zillow. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. 
a podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clips. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters, an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. Here are our featured ESPN College Football games for Saturday, highlighted by SEC teams. We've got number one, Georgia and South Carolina, then Brian Kelly and LSU playing host to Mississippi State at six, and then the nightcap, number 13, Miami and Texas A&M coming off that loss to Appalachian State in College Station. All three games also available on the ESPN app. College football senior writer Pete Thamel checks in now, and obviously injuries always in play uh, the week after a weekend of games. Pete, let's get some updates starting with Hudson Card. Well, Wendy, Hudson Card is officially day-to-day, but it was clear from the Texas-Alabama game on Saturday that he has a a significant injury to his ankle. Uh, He was hobbled in the third quarter of that game, and you could really see it on some of his runs. Uh, He's still expected to start for the Longhorns on Saturday, but I think the name Charles Wright is one that we're going to have to get to know. He's the uh, third stringer at Texas, and he's next up. Um, as we move on to Pittsburgh, Wendy, uh, there's an air of ambiguity hanging over what's going to happen in the pit quarterback situation. Keaton Slovis did not return for the second half of the game on Saturday against Tennessee with an injury. Uh, his status is unknown for Saturday. Nick Patty, his backup, came in, and he suffered an injury and was limping through the final moments of that game. Pat Narduzzi has not indicated what he's going to do, but there will be a, a moment of intrigue on Saturday in Kalamazoo. At Ohio State on Saturday, uh, there will be two star receivers expected to return for the Toledo game. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ohio State's All-American receiver, is expected to practice this week and get back, along with Julian Fleming, who's Ohio State's top backup. All right, Pete, I do want to ask you before we go about Nebraska, obviously the timing. I mean, we knew this was uh, certainly a likely situation to move on from Scott Frost, but but why now? And also, uh, what's next for Nebraska? Well, the why now, Wendy, is a fascinating question. They, they By not waiting about 20 days, they had to pay an extra $7.5 million. In some circles, that shows how serious Nebraska is about landing a high-profile candidate in their next job, whether that's Matt Campbell from Iowa State, Dave Doran from NC State, Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator. There are going to be a bunch of high-profile targets that the Cornhuskers are after. That the $7.5 million spend shows Nebraska is going to attempt to go big game hunting. 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, 10 days, that's a lot of money for 10 days, but, but we know how this works with the coaching carousel. Pete Thamel, thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you again later this week. Joey, listen, uh, if you're in Nebraska, any of those names uh, stand out to you, or what type of coach do you think they need to be successful looking ahead? Uh, if you're Nebraska, every last one of those coaches sound good. Uh, I think the issue with Nebraska and why it's going to be a tough job to, to get a, a big-time coach and a tough place to win is you have to recruit to Nebraska. Uh, and not that Nebraska is a bad place to be, but when you look at the state, there's not a lot of blue-chip players in the state of Nebraska that are going to go play there. So that's the tough part is the recruiting for Nebraska. They have to find a guy that excels okay. in player identification and player development that can do more with less. That's the key, I think, to the next hire for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Do more with less. I mean, boy, we could all learn from that. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow, 4.30 Eastern, a big week, another big week in college football. We'll see you then.